Hello everyone I hope you are doing well we are back with another episode of Blitz Business I hope you will enjoy this podcast Okay uh hi Shridhar thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business it's a pleasure to have you Thanks for saying here Okay great so Shridhar tell us a little bit about your So I'm a chartered accountant company secretary got about 30 qualified in 1986 as a CA in 1987 as a company secretary I've had my journey of corporates through multinationals started with public sector then went into multinationals like uh, Modi Xerox uh, uh, and uh, later on I've been in the education sector for the last 10 12 years that includes real estate worked with companies like Pearson Jones Lang LaSalle SQL Star International which is an education IT company career launcher um, and JLL so basically been heading uh, the finance or the I uh, primarily uh, been um, I banking uh, in the education sector that is raise funds raise equity raise debt spend that money in M&A acquisitions uh, new projects um, besides the routine uh, finance function which is a CFO role primarily so far raised about 100 plus million 150 million dollars in equity over about 6 or 7 uh, transactions and i've also been in the uh, i've looked at about more than 1000 more than 500 acquisitions in the k12 space uh, currently i work uh, as a free lancer with a with a friend of mine as an i banker and primarily deal with the education sector so right now we are dealing in edu- education fintech Uh, and uh, the last thing that we i am doing is uh, you know rajat would have informed you that we have formed a team to to mentor startups uh, uh, from our experience of um, so many years uh, other than that primarily right now to so my focus is on uh, i banking uh, especially in the k12 sector and in the in education sector in general and k12 in particular so that's one of the sectors mm-hmm. that is my area of strength having built so many schools with like so many acquisitions and stuff and fintech is another area which is kind of uh, so i also work with my cousin he is the ex ceo of city bank uh, in singapore and work with a few transactions in the uh, in the it space uh, he gets the opportunities i try and try and find vendors i try and find investors or buyers for him in any way so that is that is about it wow that is very impressive in terms of uh, raising 150 million dollars i think that is a very interesting uh, experience so can you share us a little bit let's say talk about what is a typical process in fundraising so what is your typical role how do you go about I, I, raising I, I, such I, amount of capital so i'm a basically an i banker uh, mm-hmm. i have connections with the funds so um, basically uh, the idea is to first uh, yeah i'm trying to meet the promoters get what is what are they looking for and what where they are what are they looking for um, to raise and how much what is the i what is the equity they are willing to dilute and then get into uh, a business plan discussion with them construct the business plan over a uh, over the next maybe 10 years 5 uh, years 10 years um, and then based on that construct the other documents other uh, Uh, other uh, documents like your information memorandum collaterals information memorandum uh, and a, and a teaser teaser is a smaller summary uh, information memorandum is the bigger one which generally speaks of you what you are what you want to do 
how do you want to do and how how are you going to do it and how how, how much money do you want to uh, raise so that's then we approach a set of uh, then we look at uh, which are the potential whether you are at a vc spot or at a private equity spot approach look at whom to who who will be a fit so you i don't want to uh, somebody who's only interested in retail you don't want him you don't want a, a finance fintech project for somebody who's only looking to invest in retail so basically mm. have an understanding of the thesis that the normally funds uh, look at a thesis uh, they have a definite thesis to invest in and also there is a time frame some of them want to exit in 3 years some of them want to exit in 5 years uh, some may have a longer horizon uh, so depending on the horizon their thesis the size of investment and uh, prior previous experience we reach out to these uh, funds and uh, help uh, set up the initial calls we are initially sometimes we take the initial calls um, in some of the, because in in finance in fintech and education education is my prime i understand the business inside out so i we be able to take the call i don't we don't normally like the promoters to come on to the first call because it's a waste of time then once there is certain sense first we send the teasers to them they take typically they take 5 minutes to respond 5 minutes to go through the teaser and a uh, lot of them respond saying that they are interested or they are not interested or they don't find it relevant um based on that uh, we fix up an initial call if they want the promoters to come on to the call um they sort of promoters come on to the call if not we take the first call and based on our call uh, then we mutually decide whether the promoter should come on the next call once that call happens uh, then uh, you know uh, initially a teaser is sent based on which the call happened they ask for if they are interested they ask for the detailed information memorandum and the business plan so we send that across then they have a, a round of conversation with the promoters if they are interested initially to either one partner will normally one partner will get engaged limited uh, and he if he finds the deal okay then he'll take it to his uh, full team before they take it to their investment committee they take it to the full team and if there is a yes on the full team then they you know uh, go forward and engage further and uh, once once the thing then the, that is a time where the valuation discussion then all come up so we support uh, with 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 what kind of valuations should you ask for what are the industry valuations what are the uh, comparables Uh, in if there are any comparables in the industry uh, you know generally guide in terms of what could be the expected valuation that is then discussed with the fund both the fund requirement and the valuation because fund requirement and the valuation only determines the kind of equity that you uh, that you would wish to dilute in this also there is a case of uh, you know whether you want to do convertibles whether you want to do can are you hearing me yes yes so <clears throat> whether you want to do convertible because <clears throat> to do convertibles you get an option to less dilute uh, if you overperform that is you promise a certain number whether revenue or or ebitda or whatever and if you overperform then your dilution is uh, is less but if you want so in this so in this entire spectrum of you know different different step what is in your experience what have you found the most challenging aspect uh, in uh in this segment uh. see one is uh, the promoters tend to overstate themselves and understate competitors so they'll come out with these uh, these uh, glorious statements like we are the one, unique one we are the only one in the world there is the guy sitting at the other end is is 
is also they depute an even an analyst he, they depute like typically if you take sequoia for instance sequoia invests in everything uh, hmm. you take they will have an analyst uh, who's experienced only in this field and his duty hmm. is to do research like i taken one organization with crypto with blockchain technology to them hmm. and the blockchain company they had done full they had a full team for blockchain of course it didn't go hmm. through because blockchain itself is Uh, is now more and more falling into cryptocurrency and the uh, currency gambling that's happening right now so mm-hmm. it it fell into that space uh, it, it didn't go beyond but they had this guy who was whom i couldn't answer i had to have the promoters answering those questions in depth so one is the you know the right proposal that that uh, uh, you know uh, you know uh, basically it is under 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 promise over deliver kind of uh, in memorandum that you should so that's the first challenge and the second challenge is the valuation the expectations are that you see a listed company in the us and say that this is 50 times whatever number <laughs> ebitda or this thing i should if it is 50 i can also have 50 and the hmm. expectation is this is 50 times the revenue ebitda of 24 you know what right hmm. and you know calendar year 24 50 times is there is the expectation i should get at least 35 times so valuation expectation mismatch uh, the other thing is once the once the deal gets done and we face this problem of communication between uh, communication between uh, the uh, the the promoters and the investor investor ka ek analyst you know he will think he is the king or he is the lord he knows <laughs> more than the he knows more than the promoter which is not true because a promoter knows his business more than anything else true so so there there is some have relationships have worked out very well like my first investment was a company called global talent track which is incidentally owned by ganesh natarajan the mm-hmm. past chairman of nascom mhm he's my wife's cousin so that was easy thing for me to get a mandate on and mm-hmm. uh, the first one we closed uh, without any revenue on board and a valuation of nearly 100 crores wow that was because the people involved 150 years of education experience that is a punchline so at least you give half half a crore per person itself is 70 <laughs> so so that kind of uh, uh, you know then the that relationship is crucial because uh, that's why uh, the cornerstone is like when you pitch to them you should under under uh, under promise then there is no problem suppose you 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 given a business plan they have agreed to a even a uh, you know uh, you know uh, something like a trough trough and peak kind of valuation which is your convertibles uh, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, you so as long as you even able to deliver uh, over deliver on the on that then i think the relationship is smooth so uh, basically three things one is the right pitch to the right mm-hmm. fund one mm-hmm. is the expectation mismatch expectations should match and third thing is post deal uh, this one and in between uh, uh, if you fake too much about your past uh, so there are three steps the commercial due diligence which commercial or business due diligence which will normally be done by an expert sector expert second is uh, the financial due diligence which is kind of uh, the past historicals uh, and the third is a legal due diligence that will be basically your company constitution shareholding your contracts your patents your liabilities your uh, cases uh, your um, in the promoters cases promoters individual promoters legal 
So all that happens uh, in the legal business. So, yeah. Sure. So, Shridhar, tell me in terms of, you you touched upon a very crucial point of valuation. There is a big mismatch in valuation. People tend to look at US markets and ask, okay, they are getting their 50, so we should also get 50 or more. What is a typical multiplier you have seen in education sector here in India? See, education, again, there has been a problem. Uh, see, what has happened is uh, the, the growth that is... Uh, See, in the K-12 space, what we are seeing is about five to six times. Again, it depends on where the, where the, I can tell you physical schools, when I buy them, I don't, it's not, it's not a valuation number that I look at. I, I mm-hmm. say that if I'm going to invest in this, I need a 25% IRR. And okay. this is, this is the increase that is possible. Uh, in, in terms of, there is, if you take a school, for instance, if there is a uh, there is a school with a limited capacity, or there are five schools in a in a group, let's say ten thousand seats capacity, already eight thousand are filled up. So my opportunity is in only in the next two thousand. I cannot it, it cannot be in, infinite. So I do a business plan from filling from that eight thousand to ten thousand, or maybe a bit more construction to take it to twelve thousand. Then I look at if I pay him this much money, would I get an IRR of twenty or twenty five percent? So my benchmark is like say 25% IRR, which are any private equity benchmark. So for them to get uh, in, 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 in a case where the number business expansion is, you know, infinite, it cannot be defined. It can be huge. It can be 50 crores. It can be 200 crores. What they do is they do, a, you do a cash flow for the next five, 10 years mm-hmm. and do a discounted cash flow and then work out a valuation discounting could be at 30 percent 35 percent depending on on whatever uh this one that that is the valuation uh, that you ask for and it, it, if they are fair then they will possibly you claim a certain amount of business you know cash flows at the end of the day is derived from your numbers uh number plan your your revenue plan which is what determines your bottom line which is what determines your cash flows so they they will some kind of discount your cash flows by say 15 20 percent and see, mm. they will arrive at a valuation. And if it must, if it is in that 15, 20% plus minus, you know, you expect 10 times EBITDA, they are offering you 12 times uh, or they are offering you eight times, then it is in the ballpark, then you can discuss. Maybe, you know, that uh, that uh, in between nine, nine times. But if it is, uh, if it is you expecting 20 and they are saying eight or they are saying 10, then it is not. Uh, coming back to the education one, Again, this is the rule that's being followed because the growth, the entire two two and a half billion dollar that has gone into the education sector over the last uh, last year, uh, year and a half because of COVID, uh, that the only sector which I think has got positive valuation is because mm. the companies are experiencing steep growth, and whatever they have promised, that has gone beyond the the delivery has gone beyond promise because uh, you know with so many. Earlier, it's only B2C, which was um, under online. Now it is B2B and B2C. So all schools have to have to adopt some some one of these uh, one of these ones. Children have also now take since they are used to online classes, they also go to the Vedantus or the Un Academy or the Baijus, and mm. uh, these guys have also got money to uh, have got the money to. To, to spend on marketing 
so as a result you know it's driving up and their their achievements are increasing so they are increasing their future revenue plan and valuations are going up so it is basically a, a normal sane valuation would be around 25 to 30% uh, irr which that investor would expect so but tell me shridhar in terms of in india correct me uh, if i'm wrong in india the school systems the way they are set up is like they are mostly like trust or non uh, not okay. for profit okay. right so that that's my uh, so that's my backyard the sense i was one of the first ones to structure a not for a for profit entity uh, to run the schools this has been validated now 9 or 10 rounds of equity investments have happened in the k12 groups all the other groups where private equity is not happened have also corporatized whether it is jairam's company which is pearson um, or uh, 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 with your orchid all the major funds uh, the indian public school all the major funds have now invested in k12 uh, so it's there there is a uh, there is a company that is formed there is an opco there is a propco and there is a uh, a manco so opco is the trust of the society which runs the school all the services are provided by the uh, manco management company and the real estate is provided by the propco so these agreements so if a 100 rupee comes into the school as fees 70 25 to 30 rupees gets paid as uh, as salaries uh, about 15 maybe if it is rented from the propco about 20 rupees goes to the property 20 goes to the propco and 45 is dragged into the into the uh, uh, into the manco and the Man. equity comes into the propco or the manco oh wow very interesting model yeah this so, is, so this, this is my invention this i was one of the earliest ones to move into this when i worked oh really the, wow so i am one wow. of the multiple fathers of this not the only father but yeah i was one of the fathers of this we did this about 15 years ago wow so wow that's ago, amazing about 10 years ago 2008 2010 mhm so this is so written, it, uh, i i didn't make the primary out of the 100 100 million 100 150 100 million 100 million is its global indian international schools group from a fund in hong kong the singapore based schools group and they have vetted uh, our uh, thing throughout the throughout asia when they vetted the indian scenario they they spent a huge amount vetting this these structures in india and singapore in india malaysia indonesia uh, thailand australia us and dubai so we had this singapore based group but schools all over uh, asia so it is called the global indian international schools group so they have vetted uh, i mean they spent huge amount of money on legal uh, due diligence about oh, that's the one which has gotten to real fight so yeah <laughs> uh, what is the current trend you are seeing in the market in education sector where do the funds uh, are targeting so uh, after eurokids been acquired by kkr and a couple of other uh, nord anglia being uh, nord anglia acquiring so all the prestigious schools have been acquired by these guys so they are on the hunt there are just four five groups so there is there is one way monopoly that ryan and euro uh, jairam's company they are among the minor minor hunters but there are there is sequoia there is kkr there is uh, uh, nexus venture nvp about five or six fund which have sort of invested into major schools in narayanas so i expect uh, them to further consolidate 
the Narayana Chaitanya uh, thing uh, could be the first potential billion dollar deal uh, on the K-12 side. Uh, but uh, that is, they are the hunters. But the hunted, uh, unfortunately, what's happening is a uh, lot of schools have not been able to sustain their fees. They're not been able to, uh, you know, receive their fees this year. They may not be able to receive the fees in full next year. So there are there is struggle uh, on this on that side, and there could be a lot of distressed assets which would come up on sale. So in one way, the online education is getting driven by the increased subscriptions. The offline model, as a consequence of that, the offline model because of these problems, there could be a lot more assets on sale in the in the coming year uh, in the in 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 this year it will depend uh, if online offline schools start uh, back come back to normal in april and if the admissions happen then uh, then it should normalize and you know only people who don't want to own schools will sell otherwise uh, we could see a lot of stress for instance in delhi it's already saying that they will not have admissions next year Oh, yeah, wow. so they'll have two-year admissions next to next year. They will wow. admit. Uh, you've seen what has happened in the play school. They All of them have closed down. Hmm. So play school work either on rented model or on franchise model. Nobody nobody buys real estate to run a play school. So they're either mostly franchised or all of them are now uh, under. And whether those buildings will come back, whether the children, whether the parents can afford... Uh, children to go to the play schools uh, it uh, play schools could have taken a hit of about three years uh, amazing have, yeah so it, it 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 is the offline channel money which is flowing into the now uh, online future. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's true that's well, very interesting so how do you so i i have a very sort of a critical question in terms of there is a image behind private equity you know if there is an acquisition happening through private equity prices tends to go up whatever the service they are acquiring in etc so there is sort of a negative image behind private equity also uh, so what is your thoughts or comments on that is, uh, so we had this debate uh, can a school company be listed Mm. So now this versus uh, a trust or society are supposed to run the school not for profit and versus a listing. So uh, in the education space, in the, in, the, in the regulated education space, I think there are only one or two companies in India which is listed. One is Mahesh Tutorials in Bombay, which, is, uh, which has a university. Uh, other than that, uh, so there is a debate whether uh, this one, but at the same time, uh, Nord Anglia, which which in fact in, invested in the Global Indian International Schools Group, uh, the, the the fund that invested Bering Desha, they have the they have listed their company outside India. So, uh, so that this perception uh, is is partially true. Uh, the fees uh, increase and all. Uh, the the fund uh, sometimes uh, uh, sometimes insists on increasing the fees. But uh, the good thing about uh, corporate schools or the funds run by the by the funds, corporates, whatever you call them, they make sure that the uh, the regulations are properly met. Hmm. Meaning that uh, you, in schools in Delhi, it's a common thing that you you have to legally or mandated to pay a certain salary, which is mandated by pay commission, the sixth hmm. or the seventh now. Uh, so seventh pay commission, but the teachers. Are you know you can hire teachers for much less 
than the pay commission. So what happens? And it's not a you you may be shocked, but it's a normal. It's it's a, it's 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 quite quite often happens. It happens that these schools they kind of pay the transfer full money as per pay commission, but they take bearer checks from the teachers. Oh wow! They go to the bank and withdraw the cash. So on records uh, you will have full payment, but mm. the teacher only gets so much which is contracted. So these corporate schools at least make sure that uh, like when Jairam's company is Pearson, and earlier now of course it is Ryan, but earlier it was Pearson. Any small blip will drive down the Pearson share in US and UK. So mm. and, and private equity also don't doesn't want because. Uh, somewhere uh, private equity people if they are in, so they control a company the management company which i told you is the where the investment happens but the fees and the activity happen in a trust so sometimes they become a member of the trust as well oh wow mm-hmm. so to, to 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 keep a control on the situation so they are members or or they are friends on trust it's called or they are trustees or friends on trust so they are a part of the trust so if anything happens so on the say uh, any misdemeanor happened in terms of a sexual assault on a kid or something they are like they can be arrested so they they make sure that uh, 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 they make sure that all the rules and regulations are run uh, completely uh, you know uh, if 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 a statutory demand is x Uh, these schools make sure that they are at 1.25x so if wow. they, they have to like pearson and all our rules where every driver is uh, tested twice for alcohol oh that is great the rule is only once uh, when they are leaving the school so but they are also tested when they come into the school so that you heard of the drain incident no bonsi right 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 that could have been avoided Of course, that is a completely wrong, pro- wrong uh, arresting a wrong person. But I'm saying we we've had cases in uh, our schools where uh, we've been able to sort of prove because we had all the evidence and there there is a process which which was followed. So basically, what I'm trying to say is uh, yes, there is a certain pressure to increase the fees. Uh, but well, if suppose a builder owns a school or a lala owns a school, it is the same. <laughs> It's the mm. same, but. Uh, the expenditure is much more in terms of uh, uh, you know the corporate governance is a significantly more in a non uh, funded school so what is the biggest cost in running a school about the, <clears throat> in a steady state i can tell you it's about 30% is uh, salaries mm-hmm. steady state meaning a 95% full oh steady state means 95% full okay and the second biggest cost second biggest cost will be rentals if it's a if it's a if it's your own uh, if it's a rented place that comes to about 15% 15 to 20% and if it is okay. not that then it's in, in in terms of cash flows it will be your principal and interest repayment okay okay so so now where do you see uh, in terms of uh, private equity has a big appetite right for investment now after all the schools are into consolidation mode happening do you see they moving is, still there is so i worked with a fund for about 6 months who were interested in uh, uh, i did a lot of work lot of business plan lot of 
identification of site and stuff they pulled back uh, once covid happened so uh, but uh, these guys who have, who have already invested they have a huge uh, appetite mm. any stand any standardized but where the mismatch is happening is again the expectation and valuation wo jo jisne school khada kar diya usne to uska expectation of that these he's got a golden palace <laughs> golden goose <laughs> yeah he's got something which is kind of so so the other mismatch in terms of see, see basically these investors private equity investors they are more interested in the school operations so what do you mean by that so they they are not it's they they invest in an asset light model they are interested mm-hmm. in the uh, in the school op- acquiring uh, acquiring or investing in the operations they are not they are not interested in acquiring the land and building of a school so their money is if they have to uh, if if a school does uh, say 20 crores in revenue and it's got an ebitda of 10 crores uh, they would pay they'll happily pay 60 crores I'm just giving an example that but even even otherwise they'll happily pay 60 crores to acquire the full operations of the school but uh, but if the owner says land mera 100 crore ka hai building meri 50 crore ki hai to kam se kam 150 crore to main lunga oh wow so they start selling uh, uh, you know when when a school deal becomes a real estate deal <laughs> see i've got a school in connaught place that school can at best get revenues of 10 crores but uh, but commercial land in uh, connaught place costs 150 crores an acre So yeah it's a prime location where is that guy going to get make his money from unless he so there so what is now happening is that there are two kinds of private equity players one is the uh, private equity players who are acquiring the businesses and there's another set of private equity players who are acquiring the land and buildings and it works comfortably because uh, suppose a guy wants to exit a school he wants to exit in totality he doesn't want to exit just the, this one so the land right. and building guy goes and acquires the land and building the operator guy operator of the school fund which is operating the schools buys the operating part and the the the, the real estate guy leases to the operating guy makes sense i mean makes I, sense yes mm. so so like like i am working with uh, if so if i if i get a school to sell uh, but the, there are there is a problem here uh, the the thing is it's easier to sell the operations because all that you need to do is to take uh, the bank control of the bank account through joint signatory with the trust I mean, it's as simple as that when you acquire the and all the money can then flow into the management company but real estate sometimes is normally in the trust and to sell that to uh, to somebody else there have to be local uh, local level permissions it, it could be noida authority it could be huda uh, it could be noida it could be huda it is could be greater hyderabad municipal corporation so some of the states it is easier to do bangalore hyderabad pune Uh, Bombay. It's easier to do. Um, Gurgaon. There are some rules. Noida. There are Noida. Some rules. So difficult uh, to actually transfer the land and building. So so what they normally do is they the company acquiring the funds, the company acquiring the uh, funding part, um, the the business part normally mm-hmm. tells the owner that we will pay you a revenue share or a fixed rental, and we will acquire the business so that the even if if the owner of the land and building he can uh, you know that so they become uh, the management company sweeps off everything and the rent in the trust uh, goes from one account to the other account so there is no there is no uh, gst implication as well so 
So it is difficult uh, from from a trust to transfer the lease some or etc. Some cities, some states, some cities. It's all it's a state law, or even not even a state law. It's more of a municipal authority law. Some municipalities make it tough. Like Pune is very organized. Pune and Pimpri Chinchwad is very organized. Bombay, I think, is also a bit organized. Uh, uh, Bangalore, Hyderabad is quite easy. Delhi, it's impossible. They, they no transaction can happen in Delhi. Oh wow! NCR transaction so, happen. Delhi transaction will not happen. No, I have not seen a transaction last eight years, unless oh. you pay hundred crores to the guy black money, and mm. uh, so you keep quit. Those guys keep quitting the society. You keep joining the society. But the the illegal work is possible. Oh okay. So have you have you seen till now in terms of uh, someone selling out to private equity and then the school getting completely shut out? I mean they are selling the assets no, bare bones. I have done four or five, six transactions myself. Oh. Wow. So how does? Yeah. So it's basically what I'm asking is in terms of so basically selling everything, acquiring the particular school, and then selling each every bit pieces of it, uh, in hope of the so uh, the total have, will be. So far, uh, I have only acquired uh, or organized acquisition or acquired only the business part. The real estate part, uh, we've had discussion. If you ask me, have I closed a transaction? There are only two, two or three, three funds which are interested in the real estate, uh, and uh, they went slow and they restarted operating. So I have not completed a real estate transaction. But on the uh, um, school transaction, I've done so many. But my own investment and then uh, acquisition through that, and then as an uh, as a third party, uh, I've done it in GIS. I've done it in. Uh, global indian i've done it in pearson i've uh, seen so many transactions which have come but 9 or 10 in tri- private equity transactions have been completed in the last 2 years 3 years wow you are in a very fascinating field i must say <laughs> yeah it is interesting yes so so to uh, sort of now uh, i think we are running little out of time but to wrap it up you know where do you see now private equity money flowing in from k12 to do you also see a shift happening into at university level also or uh, where we uh, unfortunately so there is another story on the university level if you heard mm-hmm. of companies like upgrad uh, i nurture mm-hmm. upgrad and talent edge i don't know whether you heard of these companies upgrad mm-hmm. is recently promoted by ronnie struvala Mm-hmm. So they have now contacted major universities both in India and abroad. They are connected with the IITs. They are connected with the IIMs, and they offer these courses, courses online and on a mix of online offline model to whichever student who wants to learn. So to that extent, uh, it has got pseudo privatized. This is one. Second, uh, a lot of these universities, uh, you know, having. Uh, they are now outsourcing the entire departments um to uh, to the uh, private companies like uh, mechanical engineering ka department utha ke de diya kisi ko kisi company ko jo pura degree to university award karta hai but pura mm-hmm. department ye run karte hain and they have a revenue share of the the college takes 25% 75% is given to the private company and the private company uh, kind of runs the course I so, so they provide a material, teachers, everything. Every every expense is taken by them, and oh, wow. uh, the colleges become the university because they have a registered license. They become a real estate player. <laughs> so that's happened quite a bit. So that is pseudo privatization has happened. Uh, privatization of in the invest uh, 
unfortunately uh, this kind of uh, you know manco uh, trust arrangement is not there in the universities so it's not allowed again one or two states it's allowed like something like uh, haryana it is allowed but lot of uh, lot of uh, places it's not allowed and uh, universities i don't know if you, if you know the distinction between university and a college so university is something which is in 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 in, in, in this one it is there is in noida if you see golgotia university mm. or noida mm. university or amity university these are private mm. universities okay but there are colleges which are okay single engineering and management colleges which are affiliated to a particular government university so in that space so there is no future at all because those are controlled fully by the government oh there is on the private university side uh, there can be transaction there have there are one or two transactions that have happened but a uh, lot of it uh, is is been and i have done um, multiple transactions in this where i have connected a university to to a private company to run the courses and these co- these companies are well funded oh wow so i think they are also moving in terms of asset light model uh, minimal yeah. expenses that's right and the and the uh, lalas who run the universities are happy getting a rental or a revenue share so the private company from the admissions to the employment uh, through with with the content teachers industry experience industry specialists whatever i mean job placements inter internships they take care of everything and uh, they share the 25% is given to the university for the real estate and the one for the real estate and two for the degree because degree are about awarding authority uh always remains with the university wow this is amazing development i never even heard of that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean uh, i'm uh, slightly sad but uh, this doesn't happen uh, the leading institution but private university space this is what happened i know one uh, you know one company which is connected to something like 6000 universities 6000 uh, uh, courses i mean it could be 1500 colleges universities Oh wow so basically they are rotating the teachers in different courses or no 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 they take on board the teachers in that particular college all the teachers mm. that are employed by the university are taken mm. uh, by the company mm. are employed by the company so offline teaching happens everything remains the same except mm. that uh, the payroll changes cost even the fees is actually received by the university but 75% is passed on to these guys oh Uh, it was wonderful to have you and the amazing insights which you shared i think that was just great uh, uh never knew uh, things are moving so rapidly in education mna so much activity so much innovation so much uh, uh money is flowing in into this particular sector uh, again thank you so much rida for your uh, valuable time Thank you for listening. We will be back with another episode of Blitz Business. Stay tuned.